Welcome to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. Episode 50, we're here, fresh off a huge, huge, huge win over LSU Sunday night. Man, what a game, what a game. Uh, sorry I wasn't able to uh, get this out to you guys beforehand. was uh, down at the beach uh, with my family and some of my wife's coworkers, and some of them have no idea that I am even an FSU fan or cover FSU. They're not even sports fans in general. So when I tell you I was watching this game on my computer and screaming and saying all kinds of things and they were looking at me like I was crazy, yeah. My wife was even looking at me like I was crazy, but, you know, I had to give it a look like, I don't care tonight. We got this dub. But, uh, man, going to talk about a lot of things revolving around the game, um, you know, just thoughts in general about the program, so forth and so on. But uh, before we get into that, let me go ahead and uh, shout out our sponsor, um, BetOnline.ag. Um, it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today to use your mobile device. Join today and make your first sports excuse me sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on all your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. But yeah, man. Oh, man. So I just got home literally. Like, I just drove. It's about a two-hour two and 40-minute drive from the beach uh, here in North Carolina back to uh, south of Raleigh, where I live. And um, so on the way back, me and my oldest daughter, we were riding, and um, I was listening to a few podcasts, just listening to the instant reactions, and you know, and I had my own thoughts or whatever, and and some some of them I just turned off because I was like, yeah, I, I don't even listen to that. Um, man, first of all, let me just say, those those of you guys that went to the game, shout out to you. Shout out to you for supporting the program like that. All the things we saw on social media as far as just Knowles invading Louisiana and the way you guys represented in the stands, online, just everywhere in general. A A1 100 respect. I tip my cap to you. Even Mike Novell mentioned it in the, uh, you know, in his post uh, conference um, interview. Uh, just about how at the hotel, everybody just showed up there and supported the program. And that's what we need, baby. That's what we need. Obviously, we, you know, we need a great product to support. I mean, we should put, you know, we should support it anyway. But, you know, whenever you feel really good about a product, you know, it kind of gives you that extra, mm, you know, you want to show up. So shout out to you guys. Man, what a huge program. And, you know, I said... A lot of things I said for like came to fruition in the game. If you listen to the uh, show I did with uh, Adrian Polk, uh, A61, uh, on YouTube, uh, if you didn't listen to that, you can go back. You know, I said that I felt like, and I predicted, you know, LSU to win 28 27. But uh, I said the reason why I'm, I'm saying that is because I, I feel like the opportunities will be there. It's will those guys make the plays when opportunities present themselves? And sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. And that, but I said also that I felt like if, if there was going to be a blowout, that I felt way more comfortable saying FSU would blow LSU out than vice versa. And that's what we should have gotten. FSU should have beaten. LSU by two touchdowns at the very least. They easily, I shouldn't say easily, but they could have scored 40 points in that game Sunday night. When you look at uh, the missed field goal, when you look at the um, dropped touchdowns, I mean, man, we left a lot of points on the board. And so I say that to say this just in the beginning. I know a lot of 
rival fans like, oh, you know, you barely won the game and, you know, oh, you're you're talking, you know, big talk and you beat a team that, you know, was under 500 last year and going to finish, you know, sixth in the SEC and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, you know, the way I look at this thing is FSU, we're, we're, you know, we're seeing sparks even all the way back to last year. You know, I talked about how the team didn't quit on the coaching staff when they were 0-4. They kept fighting. They kept fighting. They were in every game. You know, some games they found a way to win. You know, some games, you know, they lost, they, but they were in it. They had a chance to win it. And this was a game, though, that they absolutely cannot afford to lose, especially not in a in a heartbreaking fashion when they had the game, you know, they had victory in their hands. I mean, I even I even tweeted it. I said it's over from the chop can account as soon as the guy muffed the punt and we got it back. Uh, my stream was like off or delayed or whatever. I actually thought the guy ran it in for a touchdown. So I was like, it's over. I thought we had scored. And I went back. I was like, oh, I was like, we didn't score. I was like, oh, but you know, we're going to score or whatever. And um, obviously, we know what happened. But um, you know, but. You know, we're seeing sparks when you think about it. Like it's like when you're trying to start a fire, say you're in Boy Scouts or you're in the military or whatever, and you're you're trying to start a fire. You know, you you got your flint out there or whatever, and you know, you're you're seeing sparks. You know, you're seeing sparks and you're seeing sparks. You know, and then finally, finally something catches, and whoosh, right? And you have fire, right? And then once you have fire, you start feeding that fire oxygen. And basically, oxygen would be, you know, better recruits, higher quality recruits, you know, so forth and so, better coaches, so forth and so on. And so we're, you know, we saw sparks last year. Spark was the Miami win. Our spark was um, holding off Boston College at home when a year or two before that you would have lost that game because, you know, you you faced some adversity. Um, you know, a spark was. Cuse getting that first win, uh, Fitzgerald kicking the field goal to win it. So we've seen sparks, but we haven't seen sustained fire, right? We haven't seen sustained fire, and so obviously the Duke, you know, Duquesne win, you know, you're supposed to win that game. This, this, this win right here feels like it could have been more than a spark. It could have been that fire, right now. The only way we'll know if it's that fire or not and not another spark is how they handle the Louisville game next week. No, not next week. I'm sorry. After the bye week. And thank goodness we have a bye week because it, it couldn't have came at a better time. Um, considering that you got some O-linemen that are hurt. Um, looks like Fabian Lovett may have suffered something there towards the end. I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything as far as definitively on what what happened there but he obviously had went down but he got up he looked frustrated about something so nevertheless um you know you got time for anybody that's banged up um to to you know get healthy or as healthy as they can at least they don't have to go through another you know another week of practicing and playing a game so <clears throat> this could be the fire that that you know ignites and and we can finally start just blowing that oxygen on that bad boy. Right. I mean, I saw recruits that I I've never even heard of talking about FSU last night. How about and I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to probably be all over the place because I haven't had a chance really to think in depth about how I want this podcast to go. You know, I, I was with the family driving or whatever. So just bear with me if I'm skipping all around. But. I saw recruits that I was like, who is this? And I look, you know, it's like a four star 2024 or five star. Uh, I saw Charles Lester talking about what's up with my dream school. And he's been vocal about FSU in the past. So, um, but I'm just like, man, you know, uh, 20, uh, 24, five star Cam Davis was at the game, chopping it up, saying he's locked in. Um, we know Hakeem Williams was there, five-star wide receiver. So what type of impression did that make? So we know these wins These wins are going to solidify things a little bit more and kind of, you know, influence recruits like, hey, man, that might be the place to go, so forth and so on. So we know that's, 
we'll see the effect on that depending on how the year goes. Now, again, if they go back, you know, if they go and lose to Louisville, that kind of un, you know, undoes somewhat all the goodwill the LSU game bought. So you, I said before the season that L, uh, the Louisville game was the most important game. Whether you lost LSU, you had to beat Louisville. If you beat LSU and then beat Louisville, oh, buddy, you're talking about oxygen on the fire. It's like, right? So, but what I want to go back to is also is before the game, I noticed, and I tweeted this from the Built for Playmakers uh, Twitter account, the number of former players that were showing support for the program, and some of them always do. But for me, I just, I don't know. I just feel like we don't have enough former players that are really vocal about the program unless they're good, right? Um, and so if it was really good to see uh, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Jermaine Johnson, even Derek Brooks made a post like literally like an hour, an hour or two before the game. And he was dead serious. He was like number 10 back in the building. This is an opportunity, you know, to show what we're made of and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, we saw Jalen Ramsey talking about he was going to wear a FSU fit to practice um, on on today, on Monday, and telling Derwin James, talking about we back, right? You know, I mean, it was just amazing. We saw EJ Manuel on the ACC network, you know, basically just throw everything out of the door whenever the field uh, extra point got blocked and just high-fiving everybody or whatever. Um, so to see that, to see that support and that, you know, just, <clears throat> you know, we won, we, we, you know, we, we feel like we're going on the way back, man. That's, that's huge. And, you know, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how happy I am for those players and Mike Novell because man, those guys, those guys put in work. Somebody tweeted, I think it might've been Brendan Sinone or someone, and then maybe Jason Staples uh, kind of gave some more context on it. And there was a picture of Jarrett Jackson. Um, he was being held by Josh Storms, the strength and conditioning coach. And I think Jason Staples, let me give him credit. I think he said, quote, uh, Jarrett Jackson was like, they don't know how hard we work for this. And, you know, and to be able to win a game like the LSU game. And Jerry Jackson is a guy that transferred from Louisville, and a lot of people, you know, wrote him off, didn't think he was going to mount anything. But here we are. He's a contributor. He was on the field, you know, during the extra point that was blocked. And, man, if he comes back next year, he could, he flashes. He's one of the best guys out there, but he's just inconsistent, you know. But to see a guy like that even come in and just buy into what Mike Novell and the staff is – is creating is 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 this big time, and when you got these guys transferring in, coupled with the guys that came in as freshmen or whatever, and they're developing, your Shaheen Brown who who blocked the extra point, who a lot of people didn't even want to give a chance, and the coaching staff trusted a former Noel, um, I think it was Brian Allen. They said, hey, this guy can play. They evaluated him, gave him a scholarship, and he he's playing. He's making he's making plays out there. You know, and to and to and if you guys haven't seen it, you can go to it's either the the Chop Chat account. I think it was my personal account, KH Chop Chat on Twitter. There's a footage of Novell, all the guys that got back to the locker room, and Novell probably was shaking hands with Brian Kelly and whoever else or doing interviews. And you can see Novell running through the tunnel back to the locker room where the guys were waiting for him. And as soon as the door opened and he goes in, they all just gravitate toward him and and just lift him up. And he's like beating his chest and they're just jumping around. And I tweeted today, I was like, man, you can tell those guys have bought in. They love that guy. They will go to a war for that guy. When they didn't, I said it before, when they, when they didn't quit at 0-4, they believe in the vision. And a win like LSU, man... That is that is, that is the type of win because it kind of it kind of goes it kind of goes hand in hand with everything that the coaching staff is is preaching to these guys. You know, adversity respond, adversity respond, execution respond, adversity respond, and so 
the the crazy thing about it is as as gut wrenching as that game was towards the end when we had the miscues and LSU was capitalizing on the mistakes and we go you know they they scored a touchdown with one second left and they go to kick the extra point to tie it up to to you know they hopefully were going to send it into overtime you know they always say you learn more from your losses than your wins well this is a win that you can you know it's it's one of those things where like my my daughter does gymnastics and she cheers and so she just started like a year and a half ago and um you know the progress she has made is is it's been outstanding and I, I can't tell you how many times we've we've gone over video of her tumbling and all that good stuff. And she, you know, you can see the improvements, right? You're like, I see the improvements, but you need to tweak this. You need to do this. You need to do this. So it's almost like, okay, you're praising the improvements, but I know I can do better and I want to go do better, right? That is exactly the way this game is going to work because, Novell can go on into the the film room uh, Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever they go back and resume practice and say, guys, we we won the game. Credit to you for winning the game. But we have so much room to improve. It's not even funny. And if you do these things that I'm asking you to do, this is how great you can be. Right. If you execute here in this situation, this is what's possible. And I'm talking on offense and defense, and I'll I'll try to get a little bit into certain plays and my thoughts on those, too. But overall, you know, I'm I don't. Well, I would have loved I would have loved to have the blowout. But at the same time, I feel like this win will benefit the players more by the way that they got it opposed to getting the blowout because winning the way they won kind of, um, how can I say this? I don't know. I don't know how they would have responded if they would have blown LSU out. Maybe they would have started feeling themselves. I'm like, Hmm, you know, and maybe they wouldn't have, would not have, maybe they would not have focused as much on Louisville, especially considering how Louisville looked against Syracuse. But Knowing that they had to overcome adversity, they screwed up in certain situations. You know, it's almost like the way they won that game, it it really just signifies exactly what Novell preaches. You know, play every play. Um, One play can be the difference. And that is exactly what happened. Like you said in the post-conference interview, they easily could have just settled and said, okay, we're going to go to overtime and try to win it there. But they had one opportunity to make a play. And damn it, if they didn't make it. And credit to the coaching staff because they obviously saw something on film that they capitalized on because they were able to block two kicks on the night. So shout out to special teams, even though we had some we had some special team errors of our own. But um, let's talk about some of the games. So game starts. And automatically going talking about special teams, Fitzgerald kicks the ball out of bounds, and I'm like, <laughs> and I tweeted it. I was like, special teams already. What what are we doing? And so we automatically give them 40 yards of of field position, and so you know we we hold them to a field goal on the fir- first possession, and so aided by a, an errant um you know snap or whatever. So would they have scored a touchdown without the errant snap? probably who knows but we'll take it you know we hold them to a field goal and i said right then and there i said oh i said that is a win for the defense and so you know fsu comes out to go they go down the field and what do we do you know we we miss a field goal and i'm just like bruh i'm like man and i said i said in my if you go to chop chat Chop chat and read any of my material that I wrote for the week. I gave you um, five keys to winning the game. And one of the keys was I said, I would treat I would treat this game if I were Mike Novell. Once I got past the 40 yard line, I would treat I would treat every possession, not every possession, but every down kind of like call it like it's fourth down. I would not rely on field goal kicking unless it was like 
unless it was, you know, it was like fourth and eight or something from the, I don't know, 25 or whatever, where you kind of, okay, it's a no brain. You got to kick the field goal. But if there was any, if there was any way I could avoid kicking a field goal, I would try to do it. And, um, and that's why, because from 47 yards, I mean, you might well flip a coin as far as like if, if Fitzgerald is going to make it or not. And obviously he missed. Um, but you know, what happens, you know, uh, the defense, you know, we, we talk about, you know, adversity and, and changes in momentum and what happens, uh, the, the defense gets a three and out and then the offense takes over and they go down to score a touchdown, 14 plays, 85 yards, um, keyed on the flea, flea ficker, uh, throw from Jordan Travis to, uh, Pokey Wilson. And I was like, rock them to sleep, baby. And so then, um, uh, LSU drives down and we get the, um, the block field goal. So shout out to special teams there. Then of course, um, FSU uh, goes to uh, to punt uh, after the next possession, and LSU um, muffs the punt, and um, FSU gets the ball on the LSU um, 16-yard line. You're like, okay, we have got to capitalize here. And, um, and they get to third and two on the LSU eight, and a lot of people are critical of Mike Novell for going for it. Um, because they don't, you know, they don't get the fourth down conversion or, or touchdown or whatever. I have no problem with being aggressive there. Um, if you go up, if you go up 14, three right there, you know, you get the ball back at halftime and they have moved the ball, you know, pretty well up to that point. And so on offense, I'm speaking and they had, you know, obviously they had just gotten a three and out. And so on defense, and so I'm like, if you go up 14 to three and you get the ball back, and let's say you do score even a field goal, 17-3, that's a different ball game. That is a totally different ball game in the third quarter. And you're you putting massive amounts of pressure on LSU at that point. Of course, they don't get it. I do think it was defensive pass interference on the DB against um Michael Pittman. He literally like, you know how the wrestlers used to do like a test of strength or whatever and lock hands? That's literally how he had Pittman's, I think it was, was his left hand. So he never could fully get the the other hand even up there really until like the last minute. Uh, I know we say you got to make a play or whatever, but I mean, come on, bro. Somebody's literally holding your hand down and you, you really don't have both hands. That's, that's a tough ask, you know. So, uh, But nevertheless, you know, FSU gets the ball back. Um, to start the third quarter. Uh, so they go into halftime, leading seven to three. Uh, come out and they, you know, kick a field goal and to go up, you know, ten to three. But um, let me see, what was it? Um, yeah, go up ten to three or whatever. And then the defense gets the three and out. And I'm thinking like, man, we're putting together long drives, long drives of like 14 plays, 68 yards for a field goal. Um, and then let's see, I'm looking at, yeah. So then the next possession, FSU eight plays, 57 yards to go up 17 to three. And I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, we we got a chance here. We you know we we just landed a haymaker. How's LSU going to respond? To their credit, they uh, they score they score a um, a touchdown to cut it to seventeen ten. But I thought this next possession with FSU's offense was key in the game. So LSU went down and scored pretty easily. Ten plays on 82, 82 yards on ten plays. You know, so that's you know what eight point two yards a play, and so. You're like, okay, 17-10, LSU feels like they got a little momentum. You know, a year or two ago, you know, FSU might have might have succumbed to that pressure or adversity. And uh, but what does the offense do? They go right down the field, 12 plays, 70 on yards, touchdown. And it's 24-10 at that point. And um, you know, you're like, man, 24-10, and it's uh basically the end of the third quarter or whatever. And, um, 
you're feeling really good about everything. Uh, the defense has been playing great. And um, so you're like, okay, well, I mean, I'm lo losing my track here. Let me see. Let me go back. I'm looking at this play-by-play -play here. So it's 24-10. Yeah, 24-10. You're like, man, we, you know, this one might be in the bag. This might be in the bag. And, of course, uh, the referees the referees interject themselves a little bit. I even put that on Twitter. I was like, hmm, there was a couple of calls there. There was a, couple, a call with, um, I think it was Akeem Dent. I mean, he... He he like brushed by Jaden Daniels and Jaden Daniels literally like turned a front flip. Like he literally like acted and turned a front flip and the referee threw the flag. And I was like, bro, come on now. And then they called a uh, pass interference on Jamie Robinson. And I'm like, there was more contact on the Pittman uh what I was talking about earlier with the DB grab Pittman's hand, there was more contact on that play than there was on the, the play with Jamie Robinson. Yet they throw the flag. And so literally LSU gets like what? 40, 50 yards of, of field position on two penalties. And I'm just like, bro, come on. You know, of course they're going to score. And so it's 24, 17. And, um, of course, uh, we have a chance to put the game away. The offense gets the ball with four minutes left. And when you go back to Jimbo Fisher, he used to talk about four-minute offense. Basically, you 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 know you want to be able to run the ball well enough that you can run out the clock, basically. Um, FSU wasn't able to do it. They go punt the ball, and then LSU muffs another one. I mean, they literally give you the game on a plate. And, um, of course, I mean, I'm like, it's over. That's when I said earlier, I thought we ran it in. I thought we ran it in uh, off of, uh, off the fumble. Um, so I thought he scored and I said it's over, but, uh, a lot of people questioned the, um, the toss to Trayshawn Ward. And I mean, this, I'm not mad at the call. I'm, I'm not in love with it. I'm not mad at it. It's one of those and Norville addressed it in the post-conference interview. It's one of those things where you run it. All the time, you're comfortable with running it. You ran it earlier in the game. If you're successful, nobody says anything. Obviously, he fumbled it. That's what you're going to point at. So I, I really don't have a problem with it. I mean, if he, if he, if you execute the play, it's a touchdown. Point blank. Period. You cannot argue that. So my thing is, you you practice so that you can execute the plays. Um, now it's not something dumb like. If if you're on like the the half yard line and you go out a shotgun on the center, now I'm not. Now that's stupid. Um, but as far as you know, just a toss. I mean, literally, he's right there. And Trayshawn just saw the he just saw the end zone and knew what it meant, and just got a little ahead of himself. And he started looking at where he was going to run instead of looking the ball all the way in. Fumbled it. A physical mental mistake. You know. Unfortunate, it happens, but it's unfortunate. Um, you know, so I don't have a problem with that call. So a lot of people were talking about um, the FSU's defense on the final drive where LSU went 99 yards, and I'm like, well, if FSU number one runs is efficient like they were all game, and I had said there's no, they haven't stopped us all game. Why, why will why will we get stopped now? Obviously. We, we we get stopped and we have the punt. If they run the four minute offense efficiently, game's over. If they score a touchdown there where Trayshawn Ward fumbles, game's over. So the defense should have never even been in that position, number one. So you gotta look at it too, guys. And when you go back and look at the final drive, I mean, a lot of that drive was just Daniels running running around scrambling for his life. And they had they had him dead to rights several times. I mean, Verse did get a sack on one of those. They had him. I mean, literally, they had him tackled, and somehow he got away. I mean, Adam Fuller can't go out there and make a tackle for the guys. You're in position. You got to make a play. They didn't. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, why are we just giving them so much, so much, you know, field position, so much cushion?" Well. If you play man to man like a normal defense, 
and say, you know, Booty, who everybody swore up and down was going to torch the defense. <clears throat> I'm not going to say any names, but we told you it was going to be based on if the quarterback could get the ball to him, and he could not, like we said. But if Booty or somebody goes and beats somebody in coverage one-on-one and gives up a touchdown, oh, then you're going to, oh, you didn't learn anything from the Jacksonville State game. Blah, blah, fire, 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 you know, whatever. So, you know, they, the, the defense was fine. Listen, guys, at the end of the day, the defense, before that final drive, before that 99-yard drive, LSU's offense averaged four and a half yards per play. Even after that 99-yard drive, they only averaged 5.2 yards per play. And that is with, you know, arguably the best receiving core we will see the entire year. Now, granted, you got to have a quarterback that can get him the ball. And he did in certain respects. But he only, he only um, I think it was 5.8 yards per average that he completed a pass. So they never got beat over the top for a big play. I mean, what more do you what, I mean, what more do you want? You know, you had, they had four sacks on the game. They had six tackles for a loss. They only gave up, you know, let's let's say, I mean, they gave up a touchdown on that final, that final drive, but really, really it was 17, but the game should have been over 17 points against the LSU offense that a lot of people was like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're really talented. And they are. But like we said, the game was going to be in the trenches and the defensive line for FSU wreaked havoc on LSU all night long. Those bad boys, man, (laughs) hey, dog, they was holding FSU D linemen like like a a kid that didn't want their mom and dad to leave them at the babysitter's house. They were like, don't leave. Just hold them, hold them, hold them. And they were not, they were not calling and go back and look at it. They were holding that on the last drive. They were holding nonstop. And like I said, the referees were just letting them play, but man, I mean, they were literally tackling Jared verse. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous how they were just letting them go. Um, so there's nothing wrong with the defense. I mean, gosh, they played, I mean, they played well. Tatum Bethune, what a, and talk about physicality. Whew. FSU was the most physical team out there last night. Man, did you see that hit Renardo Green put on Jaden Daniels? Bro, that was textbook. Oh, my goodness. When's the last time we saw FSU out-physical somebody? Especially, I mean, I'm talking about like a team that's arguably, well, they are more talented overall than FSU. Oh, I mean, they they were more physical. I mean, they were, they were really in the wood out there. Think about the catch that Johnny Wilson had where he just ran over like two or three LSU guys for an extra 10, 12 yards. You know, um, what about when Pokey Wilson made a one-handed catch? The guy's draped all over him. He still makes a play. And, you know, and I've been saying, I've been saying before the season, I said, this wide receiver, this wide receiver group is going to be better than what you get. What a lot of people are saying, I'm, yeah, they're going to be some drops, but they're going to make some plays too. And you just going to have to take, you have to take the good with the bad. But those guys made some plays. Shout out to Cameron; he had a bad drop. Uh, I actually DM'd him earlier. Uh, he had some huge, two huge catches still on third down. Johnny Wilson had a bad drop in the end zone. But he had two or three huge catches, you know, in the game. Michael Pittman, like I said, that was questionable drop or pass interference. Had two or three huge catches in the game. Shout out to Deuce Spann. Deuce Spann is contributing, y'all. He is contributing. Shout out to Ron Dugans. I said it on Twitter. I said it on last podcast, actually. But said it on Twitter today. We slandered Dugans for missing on the recruiting trail. You gotta give him props for what he's done with Deuce Band. And frankly, these these transfer wide receivers. I mean, it's a different group, man. This this is another point too. Last year when LS, uh, FSU got behind the chains, so whether it's you know first and twenty, whether it's second and thirteen, 
third and seven, the drive was over. Like you was just knew then the drive was over. Not last night. Not last night. Eleven to seventeen on third down conversions. Should have been higher than that if we didn't have a couple drops. The ability to overcome. Now, granted, you don't want to do that consistently, especially against a good defense. But the to the ability to be able to do it and to do it consistently is something we have not been able to do for a long, long time. The offensive line, everybody was talking about how my my dude, what's my dude, uh, Josh Pate, whatever his name is, talking about FSU wasn't going to be able to block the, the LSU defensive line. Mm. Might want to check that tape, dog. Might want to check that tape. Coach Atkins had a, had a boys playing, man. Had our boys playing. I mean, there were times when Jordan Travis had all day to throw the ball. I'm talking four seconds to throw the ball. I mean, yeah, you can give it some pressures here and there. I mean, they sacked them twice, and LSU only had four tackles for a loss in the game. There were times last year, I think in the Miami game last year, we won the game, and I think Miami had eight or nine tackles for a loss. And that Miami defense was trash. So, shout out to the FSU offensive line. <laughs> How about Dylan Gibbons uh, shouting out uh, the offensive line and saying none, none, of his, none of the guys on the team have a, a, a fake accent where he was, uh, he was basically throwing a jab at Brian Kelly. But I thought that was hilarious. But one other thing, one other takeaway from this game is uh, the play of Jordan Travis. And, and that, was, that was another – that was another reason why I was I, – I, I had to see it. I, I said I got to see it against a, what we would call a, a talented, good, talented defense. Um, obviously, we had the Duquesne game. Like, okay, what well, is Duquesne? Well, I, I, I always kept going back to the Clemson game last year. I'm like, man, we'll have some plays on the field in the Clemson game. Last night, though, Jordan Travis continued to play calm. He continued to play confidently. He continued to play like the game was moving very slow for him. And that is that is scary. That is scary for this FSU offense, man. Like I said, FSU could have scored 40 points last night, y'all. Could have scored 40. Like, for real, for real. They left a lot of plays on the field. They made a lot of plays. Made a lot of plays. Um... I think they averaged basically it was like 5.5 yards per play. But like I said, if they didn't have the drops that they had, that that number would have been much higher. That number should have been much higher. That number should have been over six against an LSU defense. That's big time. That is big time moving forward. That was a problem last year. Early in the year, that was a problem last year. I kept telling people, it was like the defense, the defense has issues, but the problem is the offense is not – generating enough points to to not not necessarily motivate the defense but basically when you're playing defense and you know the offense can't score that's deflating in and of itself now the defense has confidence and this happened last year actually during the the last eight games of the year you saw once Jordan Travis became the starter and they they became capable of scoring points you saw the defense kick it up a different notch along with you know they found out some you know, they figured out some things on where to put different players and continuity and all that good stuff. But you see it now. You see that the defense knows the offense is capable of putting up points. And you see those guys go out there with a different mindset. They they're going out there looking they're going out there looking to dominate. I mean, FSU dominated large portions of that game last night. I mean that react game really could have got out of hand for LSU. They had miscues for sure, but FSU had a lot of miscues too. Like I said, two drop touchdown passes, uh, fumble on the goal line, a missed field goal, um, a lot of penalties. Some of them were BS, but LSU benefited from a lot of penalty yardage. 
that's a good that's a good sign, man. That's a good sign to be able to to beat a team. Not granted, like I said, LSU's talented, but they they got some work to do. They got some work to do. Um and they play, you know, they got they got a difficult schedule too, so I'm not sure how things will shake out. But it sounds like some of the guys on that squad are ready to quit already. Which leads me to um let's talk about recruiting for a second. A lot of people will say, you know, they'll just automatically see five stars, four stars, blue chip, whatever, and just say, oh, let's go get him. We got to go get him. He's a five star. Let's go get him. It's a position of need. But you always hear the staff say, hey, we got to find the right fit. And there's been a lot of times where FSU didn't pursue a guy who was a four star or a five star or used to be a five star who's in the portal or whatever. And um, prime example is Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings, FSU Legacy, was committed, just decided to decommit, went somewhere, got in the portal, transferred somewhere else, got back in the portal, and everybody's like, oh, we need linebackers. Let's let's go to Jennings. I mean, he used to be committed to us. And I was like, mm, that's not going to happen. And if I was a coaching staff, I wouldn't let it happen either. And then you saw he transferred somewhere else again. So, look, a prime example is – you know, Boutte, um, you know, whatever his name is, the, the LSU wide receiver that everybody was clamoring about. And you, clearly the guy's talented, but look, you gotta, you gotta, you have to perform on the field before I, I give you the benefit of the doubt. That's the same thing I was saying with, with our, with our wide receivers. I was like, look guys, they're, they're former top 100 player, top one. I think uh, Wilson was number 116 in his re- recruiting class. Yeah, they yeah they transferred, but those guys are talented. Now, they're talented enough to make plays, but I gotta you know I gotta see them make plays. I believe they can make the plays, but I gotta see them make the plays before I you know really 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 feel like hey this offense is gonna be different. I feel like they can do it, but I'm not saying oh they're just gonna run out here and go crazy because they were the former top 100 players, or because some NFL scout told me that you know this guy may go top 10, top 15 overall. I mean, talent talent is extremely important. I promise you it is. I mean, we, we've seen it at FSU, guys. We've seen it. How many talented guys have we seen, former five-star, former four-star, come to FSU and do absolutely nothing? It's all about fit. It's all about buying in to your position. You know, my, one of my favorite rappers is Joe Budden, and some of you probably have no idea who that is. But um, you know, he had a rap one time. He was saying that um, a role player can become a superstar in the right system. That's it. Uh, figure out what your role is, do your job, and think good things will happen. And so, you know, and FSU is is seeing that too. I think um, I forgot who it was. Somebody tweeted talking about. Um, Brendan Gant. Brendan Gant used to be a four-star safety who played a lot of a lot of minutes. Started at one time as a safety, and has moved to linebacker. And and he he's playing a reserve role. He didn't transfer. Shout out to him for sticking with it, not quitting. Well, I shouldn't say not quitting, but hey, finish what you start. And he's given everything he got on special teams, and he's out there making like two or three, four tackles a game in the first two games of the year. Shout out to Brendan Gant. But you got to have the right fit and and that, you know, obviously you want higher quality players. I mean, everybody that you got, you, you have to get those higher quality players um, to, to win at the, at the highest level, at an elite level, you know, with the, to get back to competing with Alabama and um, Georgia and Ohio State and those guys. But while while we are progressing towards that level, you 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 got to find the right mixture of talent and want to, as far as buying into that vision, because Butte out there last night, he quit. He didn't have a single catch in the first half. You saw him take plays off, and then you saw after the game, you know, there's reports of him just taking all of his stuff as LSU. You know, off of his social media. I mean, you can have all the talent in the world. If you want to be out there, if you don't want to be out there, and if you don't believe in what the coaches is is selling or the vision, 
you it's, it's, it's a no-win situation. So going back to FSU's win impact and recruiting. It's, well, let me go back. To, it's going to depend on the Louisville, uh, the Louisville game. you got to win that game because, like I said, if you lose that game, especially with how they looked in the, in the season opener, that kind of, you know, kind of takes away from what you just did at LSU. But if you if you beat Louisville and then you have, I think it's, uh, was it Boston College? I think Boston College and Wake Forest. I, I can't remember what order, but I'm pretty sure those are the two games. You should you should win those games. Four and zero in the season. Hey, players are going to take notice, and um, I think you'll start getting a higher caliber recruit. And if FSU, if FSU goes and and they do what I think they're capable of, you know, I've been saying eight and four. Um, I've seen eight and four this year. And that is with, you know, understanding that things can happen. You have some games on the road. You know, funky things happen on the road. There are teams that we're not sure how good they are. Um, however, if you if you follow Chop Chat, you know, I told you a few weeks ago, I wrote that I did not think the schedule was as difficult as a lot of people say it is because a lot of people were giving some unjust hype to certain teams. And Miami's one of them for sure. Uh, if you read my three most overrated teams on the 2022 schedule list, you saw NC State at number two, and they should have lost to ECU this past weekend. Also had Florida and Miami on that list. You know, Boston College just lost to Rutgers. But, you know, I said that was a team we were going to blow out. If you um, read my 10 bold predictions for the season list, um. So yeah, you know we'll see what Clemson does. Well, I guess they're probably playing right now as I'm recording this. So, uh, I'll I'll see what they look like later on. I'm not even following it right now. But, um, man, I feel like I have been talking forever on here. Let me let me check and see where I am. Oh, I'm at 47 minutes. Okay. So yeah, big win. I feel like you know this was exactly what the program needed. It could be, it could be that fire igniting. It could be that fire igniting for Mike Norvell. Um, we'll see. I feel like this team, this team can go as far as they want to go as long as as long as they stay healthy. Um, Jordan Travis is is much improved. Shout out to him. I wrote a piece um, on Jordan Travis. Um, basically, hey, all respect to you for the work you put in, and we're seeing the confidence and the results from that kid is different player than it was last year I, I tip my hat to him um not saying I didn't think he could do it but uh, you know you 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 got to show and prove it you know for me to give you the props and he's he's done it thus far so I got to give him the props on it again shout out to you guys for um supporting the the program traveling out to Louisiana because I know that was uh probably an expensive trip so shout out to you guys for doing that um, shout out to the former players for supporting the program. Hope to see that continue. And uh, I want to give a shout out to you guys uh, for supporting me and um, this podcast and Chop Chat. Um, I've gotten a lot of um, new uh, followers and um, seen a lot of interaction over the last couple of days between um, Chop Chat, my personal account, and the Built for Pop. Um, Built for Playmakers uh, Twitter account. Um, if you are, if this is your first time listening, um, hopefully you you enjoyed it and you felt it was informative, um, and you will uh, give us another chance. Make sure you um, subscribe to to the podcast. I try to do these weekly. My my schedule was kind of crazy, and I, I'm I'm not always able to do them weekly. Um, but sometimes I can kind of do some some back to back ones, uh, like we had a couple weeks ago. If you if you have not had a chance to uh, give us a five star rating, um, please do so. Uh, the last time I checked, I think we were up to thirty seven or thirty eight, uh, which was a few more than what we had the time before that. So those of you that 
that left uh, great reviews for me. I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, if you have never listened to, to this podcast before, I am, I am much different than a lot of the other podcasts out there. When I say that I, I'm a former athlete, I see things a little differently. I kind of know, you know, I played at the college level baseball that is, but it's a lot of similarities from a team aspect. You know, if you go all the way back to episode 21, um, after the earn early signing period and everybody was, you know, it's over, um, you know, Travis Hunter, that whole debacle, we're missing on, uh, signing a wide receiver. And I, and I said on that episode, I was like, guys, it's, it's not over now. It is bleak, but this is how things can get turned around. You know, we talked about the hiring of, uh, Michael Alford as AD. We talked about, getting things in line with NIL and we talked about going to the transfer portal like they had done the year before and getting, you know, getting some guys that could help the program and infusing talent. All three things took place. You know, they had a great um, spring, summer, fall camp. And here we are two and zero for the first time since 2016 with an opportunity to possibly win a minimum of eight, maybe nine, maybe 10 games in 2022. So I always look for, I'm an optimist by nature, but I'm a realist at the same time. I'll give it to you straight. Um, if somebody screws up, I, I tell you they screwed up. But at the same time, if somebody deserves praise, I'm going to I'm going to give it to him. And so you know, that's that's kind of how I am on this podcast. That's how I am in real life. If I screwed up, I'll tell you I screwed up. And, um, you know, that's how it goes. So uh, let me stop rambling. Um, I am going to uh, go get something to eat because I'm starving and I am going to check out this Clemson game see what they're working with. But again, shout out to everybody. Appreciate the support and um, probably will uh, get back to you. Hopefully, if not the end of this week, early next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.